broadband. We need it for work and for school, for our health and our economy. What's being done to bring broadband internet access within reach of every American? Let's talk about it now on Rural Broadband Today. Here's your host, Stephen Smith. Have you ever thought of Appalachia as a hotspot for tech talent? Well, Todd Cope has, and he's my guest on today's show. Todd's the CEO of Central App, which you'll learn more about. He's doing some interesting work connecting companies across the country with remote technology employees in the Appalachian region. Let's hear Todd tell that story, plus tell us about driving across the country in a Tesla for what he called Operation Rural Tech. Here's my interview with Todd Cope. And thanks for tuning in today. My special guest is uh, Todd Cope. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks, Stephen. Nice to be here. Uh, we have uh, so many things to, to talk about today, but but first I want to talk about uh, the company that you lead. You're the CEO of a company called Central App. So explain to our listeners uh, what this company is about, what its mission is, and what you do. Sure, thanks. Central App was founded on the concept that talent and skill are equally distributed, but opportunities are not. And we feel there's a lot of very talented people in Appalachia, particularly that could be either are or could be skilled up to match some of the economic challenges uh, that, that the company, the country is facing. And so we're, we're in a big picture. That's what we're about. And in the long term, we'd certainly like to have a vision where uh, when people outsource technology in the United States, instead of thinking India, they think, Appalachia. Uh, fully understanding that's going to be a, a long-term heavy lift project, but you know we have nothing less than that as our goal in building a tech ecosystem in Appalachia uh, generally, and, and we're, we're based in West Virginia, West Virginia specifically. So why Appalachia? Uh, what do you believe that the, the Appalachian region has to offer to the tech world? So lots of things is, is the short answer, but in, in some detail, the idea is that there are tons of talented people there that have been uh, leaving the area often to go to big cities because of a lack of economic opportunity. Uh, with the possibility of remote work, that's no longer a requirement. There's opportunities to stay. I think there's a lot of, you know, you've got the work ethic, you've got uh, people in the right time zone to work with companies in America. And, and so those things are, are huge um, resources that the country is not fully utilizing. Uh, and we need to enable those resources to be fully utilized by the country. So you mentioned uh, re- remote work and Central App is certainly, uh, you were certainly focused on remote work well before the pandemic, but since March of 2020, uh, we've seen a dramatic shift toward uh, re- remote work out of uh, necessity with a lot of companies realizing, wait, this is actually maybe even more efficient and more productive. And with several companies announcing that, you know, a portion of their workforce may never return to the office in, um, you know, some capacity. How has the pandemic um, changed the dynamics of, uh, of what you do as a company? Well, that, that's a great question. And, and despite the challenges that we're, they're all aware of, it has in some ways made my job easier. Uh, that's one less thing for me to sell around uh, is the remote nature of the work, because it's, I think it's been proven over the last year that uh, not only does, you know, does it work, in some ways it's, it's beneficial. Uh, so, so that's been a maybe a silver lining for Central App in that there's one less barrier to us going and acquiring 
clients uh, because uh, remote work is not a barrier at this point. And in fact, it's a requirement in many cases. Well, rural broadband is, of course, the focus of this show. And um, how important is it, Todd, that we solve this rural broadband challenge uh, once and for all in America? Well, I think it's as far as remote work and fully utilizing the resources we have in the country, it's, it's step zero. It's, it's, you have to start with that. It's, it's, it's very analogous to having electricity. Uh, without broadband, you cannot take advantage of the educational and economic opportunities uh, that are out there. And so it's, it's, it's a requirement. We, we, we must solve it. We are not, as a country, fully utilizing all the talents we have because of the lack of broadband access uh, in the country. In my state of West Virginia, uh, you know, a third of the people don't have broadband. If you think about that, you know, how, how, many, how much productivity are we losing as a country because a third of the people can't do a remote job? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of staggering when you think about it. So take us behind the scenes, if you will, of, um, of this uh, client relationship. Um, like, who is the client? of central app and give us some, um, maybe give us some, some case studies of people that you have connected and, and how, how that works. Okay. Yeah. I, that's, that's one of my favorite things about this job is some of the success stories and the way people's situations have, have changed. Um, there's a gentleman, uh, a little over two years ago now, he lives in Eastern Kentucky, uh, and he was working at a security guard at Walmart. Uh, he was laid off from that job, um, didn't really have a lot of options. He got involved with a program with Central App that got him trained up in uh, the Salesforce ecosystem. That's a, that's a CRM. I, uh, uh, it's a enterprise-wide software that allows companies to do their customer record management and, and a whole lot of other things. And I'll skip to the sort of the end of the story. Uh, you know, two and a half years later, uh, this, this guy is, you know, is making 50 bucks an hour working remotely in uh, outside of Africa, Kentucky, for a company in Chicago, where he, he ministers their Salesforce instance, and you know, so this guy has basically gone from an unemployed Walmart security guard, and in less than uh, less than three years, to a six-figure tech worker, and that's the kind of thing at Central App we want to do a thousand times, right? We want to we, we want to enable people who have skills and drive and ability to fully utilize those skills and. You know, to to the point we made earlier, broadband is that would not be possible. I have sort of more negative stories where a gentleman was similar situation was looking for economic opportunity, bright guy. Uh, he had to drive several miles to a, a, a library to get internet to, to take some of the classes and progress in his certification. Uh, he had a family member get sick. He was no longer able to travel and dropped out of the program. And so now his you know the country's lost. Right, this guy now could be. A uh, productive tech worker uh, in in southern West Virginia, but because all, for not having internet at his home, uh, he he isn't, and he's uh, so that that kind of thing is, um, you know, unfortunately, we see that 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 kind of story as well. So broadband is very important to me personally because I see how it really impacts the lives of individuals and can allow them with the right talent, drive, and initiative to to change their their circumstance in a big way. Mm, you make a good point. That's not just a loss to him personally in his career and to his family. It's a loss to uh, the companies that could have employed him and really a loss to the country as, as, a, as a resource that, that we could be utilizing. 
Absolutely. I, I think, and, and, and again, not to restate again, but it's, it is really, it's not like, oh, we're in Appalachia, you know, come help us. It's like, we can be a big help to this problem we have in the country, which is, which is tech worker deficit, which we, we don't have nearly enough uh, to do that in the country, right? And, and, and one thing that I didn't mention earlier that Appalachia particularly uh, has an advantage in is, is because generally it's a low cost of living area. We're very, very competitive with uh, certainly the cost of this labor on the coast, but even, even offshore, uh, we're competitive with, with some of those offerings as well. So it's a really, you know, it's globalization, but it's globalization in our favor because we have the, the infrastructure, assuming the broad game gets built out and the geography to take full advantage of that, as well as a, a labor rate that's very, very competitive, uh, not just nationally, but internationally. Now, you mentioned Salesforce, Todd, and that's, of course, uh, a, an enormous software company that uh, that serves millions, and uh, these companies certainly need, because of the the customization required to uh, to use Salesforce and adapt it to a company's unique uh, needs, there's certainly uh, a, a lot of need for tech support there. As more and more of our uh, work life goes online and software as a service becomes just core, you know, critical to small business and enterprise, are you seeing a greater demand for the type of employees that, that central app places with these companies? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's been and tremendous. I mean, just like everyone else in the first, first months of the pandemic, you know, we, the, 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 the economy was in shock and no one was doing much of anything, but in the, the back half of 2020, people began to realize, Hey, we've got to, we, we've got work to do. We've got, we've got to move forward. And that's really helped us, uh, uh, grow. Uh, you know, we, we had, a, we had an up year, uh, in, in 2020, which is, you know, I will certainly take that in, in a pandemic year. And I think that's a, just a credit to, to first the people uh, in Appalachia that are, that are able to do the work, but then the, uh, the ability to go into the marketplace and sell those, those skills and, and get companies to, to hire folks. Um, I'll say something else about Salesforce and how it's helpful to Central App uh, right now is like, when I go to Silicon Valley to try to obtain a client and I talk about I talked about doing some sort of tech work in, in, in West Virginia or Appalachia, right? doing a mobile app or something like that. Unfortunately, I still get, uh, frankly, a, a lot of eye rolls, right? Like, why is some guy in, in Appalachia going to be able to write my mobile app? And that's unfortunate, but that, that, that bias is, exists, right? With Salesforce, I can say that I have Salesforce certified uh, workers at a very competitive rate, and then immediately we have a conversation. So that's that third party certification, again, makes my job easier and I don't have to convince someone that all these guys really are good uh, just because of their location doesn't make them any less good. Uh, but with that third party certification, it helps uh, us be able to, to de demonstrate the skill uh, that is there. And, uh, and so that's an important step to us. I think as we grow in reputation and mass, Central Apple will be able to do more and more different tech uh, things for people, and we, we do today, but it's more serendipitous when people know me and ask if I can do it, and of course we can. Uh, but that's the um, that, that's the way I see us progressing, and how Salesforce has been an important uh, sort of first step for us in that certification, allowing us to to have some credibility. So, as CEO, you are certainly um, responsible for you know operations and, um, and and those type things, leading leading the company, but you're also uh, spending a lot of time, from from what I understand, 
promoting the idea, and, and, and that's what you're doing on the West Coast right now. And um, I'm, I'm going to let you get into that story. But I do have to say that we've, we've had a lot of interesting people on our show in the past, but I don't think we've ever had a guest who has driven across America in 21 days during a pandemic amidst social unrest and political upheaval and, uh, oh, yeah, and camped in their Tesla along the way. <laughs> Give us an idea of the trip you have, have just taken for those who haven't seen it on social media. Okay, yeah. So uh, we, we, we you can find some of the details at uh, hashtag Operation Rural Tech. But the, the, the concept sort of started banging around in my head in December you know, 2020 had been a, a rough year for most, and I really wanted to start 2021 off uh, with something positive. And my sense was that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased for sure, but I think there's a, lo- a lot of skills and, and talents that, that, that people could take advantage of. And I wanted to raise that awareness for folks. And I, I wanted to, you know, basically go to California, didn't particularly want to get on a plane or stay in hotels. And so I, I conceived this idea to, to, to not just get to California, but along the way, uh, visit some places along the, around the country where, where, where there's tech that's not on the coast and maybe not places where you would expect. And the way that I ended up doing that was I, I do have a, a Tesla and I, uh, to help with the charging situation, although there's a great charging network, I, stayed at RV camps uh, over 21 days and uh, was able to plug in overnight, just like an RV and get my charge uh, overnight and, and sleep, uh, lay down the back of the seats and uh, in the car and had a, a, a third party called a Tez, Tez bed, a Tez met that uh, allowed me to, to sleep in the car. And it, it was, it was wonderful actually. Um, uh, and I, I, Again, you can see the map if you go to uh, look under Operation Rural Tech, but it, I, you know, it's 6,514 miles, right? So it was not a direct shot <laughs> by, by any stretch. And I visited every client that we had that wasn't in New England and uh, was able to pick up more clients along the way and was raising awareness both on the supply and the demand side. So supply side is I'm trying to find tech workers that can work through Central App. And uh, so that's my trying to build supply there. But at the same time, they have to have demand for their, their services. So I'm building it up with companies as well. So, so that was, that was the, 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 sort of the, the genesis of the trip, the, the, the mission of the trip. And I, I learned a lot of um, fantastic things about our country uh, and, and just uh, people in general during the pandemic and, and, and the way some communities come together. And uh, it, it was just a, probably a once in a lifetime trip. And it was, it was certainly uh, something I won't forget. That's fascinating. What um, what kind of challenges did you face on this trip? Uh, and then also, are there any particular uh, success stories, I guess, or, or any highlights of the trip you'd like to share? Yeah, so, so uh, just the logistics of getting everything in, in the car and then every night setting up and, you know, I had to clear out the back of the car to sleep there. So I had to pile it up in the front. There was this sort of so initially, it was like almost like a half an hour or more to, to reshuffle the car. I got pretty good at it at the end, where I could reconfigure the car in about ten minutes. But from a from a bedroom to a to a to a car, mm-hmm. uh, so so that you know that sort of stuff was was fun uh, to just to figure out the the logistics and get better at that. Um, you know, I'd not stayed at RV camps before, and that's an amazing subculture of people, both people who work there and the people who stay there, and and, and those were fun people to talk to. Um, observing, you know, frankly, differences in, in, uh, protocol, protocol that were 
norms in certain areas, uh, some being uh, super uh, tight on the contact chasing. They take your cell number when you come into a, uh, when you stop at a restaurant, they, uh, versus basically free for all, no mass at all, nothing to see here kind of, kind of uh, uh, mentality. So that was interesting to observe. I was, I was, had my own protocols that I, I was, uh, you know, very, very careful. I was obviously in part sleeping in my car to avoid uh, <laughs> some contact. So, so uh, I did, I did have negative tests both on the front end and the back end. So that was successful. Um, so, so yeah, those, those are some of the things that, that we dealt with as far as uh, individual uh, successes. It was, it was great talking to people uh, about technology and their per- understanding their perceptions of Appalachia and, and, you know, what it would take to want to, um, do business in in Appalachia or have 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 you know workforce there, and, and so there's really three things, uh, and, and the first is awareness, right? The guy, several CEOs, on, uh, will have to know you exist. I didn't, I didn't know this was an option, so that was part of the trip, you know, part part of that raising that awareness as well. And then you know you have to be good, um, and then you have to be affordable. And I'm like, well, I know we've got number two and number three, so let's work on awareness. And that's what the trip was all about. And I, I, I think, I think some of that, some of that happened. Now I know you've gotten some press o- over that, and you've, um, and, and you've written, I think, in a state paper in, in West Virginia about your trip. And uh, w- did you get any media attention along the way? Oh, absolutely. So I had there was there was uh, uh, several different uh, write ups. The, 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 I guess something I'm, I'm most proud of is I was uh, publishing a couple. Uh, Areas and one was in the in the the, the uh, Western Gazette uh, and it was an op-ed about um, and it was entitled a a mask or a gun and th- that came about because I before I shot the trip on social media I asked what should I uh, bring to be safe on the road and the responses varied dramatically depending on where people were when they responded. And there was really two answers. And the answers people in California said, well, bring, bring a lot of masks. And the people in West Virginia said, bring a gun. And so I just felt that was very interesting, the way that what people go to to be safe and what they think about and how, depending on where you are geography wise, sort of changes your filter on the way you view things as basic as safety, right? And, And how that, and how that works. And so I wrote up about that and I, I won't recite the whole thing here, but that having, you know, grown up in West Virginia uh, and then spent most of my professional life working on, on, on both coasts and even overseas uh, in, in large cities. Um, I understand it. I understand both answers perfectly well. And uh, the example I use is when I'm in, I, I had an apartment in Philadelphia for a while. And, you know, when I heard a, uh, a gunshot, I would run and uh, the other direction. If I heard a, a, a siren, I would ignore it. And in West Virginia, I ignore gunshots. And if there's a siren, I go check on my neighbors, right? So uh, it's just a completely different mindset depending on where you are. And people need to understand that that's a, those are different places to live and you have different views and that's okay. And, you know, I think that the whole point is there is a, a cultural divide in the country that I think, um, we can get around that. And one way to get around that is by literally working together, right? People in, in San Francisco working with people in West, Southern West Virginia on a tech project, a lot of understanding comes from that. So that's, you know, part of, you know, we're obviously a, a company and we're, we're out to make money, but we, you know, me personally, that mission, having, having had one foot in Appalachia and one foot in the San Francisco Bay area for a good part of my life, uh, I, 
I like people both places. I want them to like each other too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help that, that mission as well. So you, you feel like that even though we're, we're in a period that um, we, we do see a lot of uh, cultural divide, as you said, you, uh, you came away from your trip um, optimistic and, and, and hopeful that those are things that kind of in the background and we can get around and find more commonality. I think so. I, I think what we need to do is, is, is talk to and not at each other. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and because I, I tell people, whether it be in San Francisco or, or in Southern West Virginia, you know, I know people at the other place that would be the best neighbor you ever had. Right. You, you mm-hmm. just you, you, you trust me on that. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and part of what I mentioned in, in the op ed is that I get asked in all seriousness, you know, from people in California sometimes. You know, how many people do I know in the KKK in West Virginia or, or, or in the West Virginia, how many people do I know there in Antifa? And I'm like, come on, guys, that zero. <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. There's no, that, that's, those are such outliers that uh, uh, not even being really worth in the conversation. So, so that, those perceptions are, are going to be hard to break down. But I think the more, again, to get back to the point, working together uh, across those rural urban divides could, could help in that in a big way. Because when you know people, it, it, you know, the stereotypes break down. Well, Todd, there are um, there are many rural uh, broadband providers that are doing you know a really good job of uh, bringing broadband to their communities. Uh, we're certainly seeing a lot of investments coming from states. A lot of states are developing broadband programs. Uh, money from Congress, from the FCC, from the private sector. Uh, I don't I don't think we've, we've we've ever seen this much momentum and this much demand really for solutions to the broadband challenge. What? What do you think it's going to take to get the remaining 20 million or so, whatever that number might be, connected to a reliable broadband service? Yeah, those obviously are, are, are tough questions. I do have some ideas uh, just from observations and, and, and things that I think we could, we could try. Um, so my sense is historically uh, states and other organizations have, have gotten, you know, fair large amounts of money to, to, to solve this problem and, and, my perception is, and they, you know, they pick a vendor and they, the outcome is less than people had hoped. And, and, and I, I, I understand that because in, in a, in a state like West Virginia with its geographic and demographic differences, uh, it's not one size fits all. So I would like to see approach more where instead of like this sort of top level pick a solution, go try to do that everywhere that we have a, something like, internet uh, coupons, right? Internet vouchers where a community or individual can choose to use those how they see fit. As an example, if, if in West Virginia, there's plenty of people live up a holler, there, there is no economic incentive for any private company to ever build a fiber optic cable uh, out two miles to, to service uh, two people, right? So, so that, that could be done with subsidies and other things, but that's not going to be a market-driven solution uh, at all. But so I imagine those people could have their internet coupon and go with Elon Musk Starlink or HughesNet or get a satellite solution that, that, that they could pick for themselves. Or you can imagine communities that could co-op their coupons and get the local provider to do you know, fast DSL or fiber to everybody's house. Or, or all we could use if we had a, a 5G tower on this, on this hill, we could, we could cover more people and we could all subsidize that with AT&T or, or whomever. And I just think that that kind of solution is what it's going to take because it's not going to be monolithic or homogeneous at all. And I think that we need to allow for that, allow people to figure out what works best for them. I, I, they certainly need the resource because, uh, you know, not everyone's going to pay 90 bucks uh, for, for Starlink or, or, or whatever or be able to. 
But I think uh, those types of things are ideas that I'd like to see explored more fully uh, by the legislatures in the different areas or cities um, or counties or whatever level it makes sense. But but that's that, that's some of the things that I, I think, again, it's probably not that novel idea, but, but I would like to see those things tried as well. So what is next for Central App? You're, you're, you're out on the West Coast right now. Uh, we're working on some things. Give us a view for what's coming up. Well, just in the short term, like yeah, tomorrow, I'm going to go up to Silicon Valley itself, and i am got a series of meetings set up to, to continue to beat the drum about Appalachian tech and how uh, dynamic and, and uh, valuable it can be to the, to the CEOs in, in, in San Francisco Bay Area and, and Silicon Valley. So continuing going to continue to do that. Uh, continue to look for uh, the institutions within um, Appalachia to uh, continue to, to, to train and provide people uh, to the workforce with, with the appropriate skills, whether it be uh, you know vocational schools through high schools offering uh, uh, Salesforce certs or adult learning vocational centers doing the same. Um, and so again, just the matching of those um, supply uh, and demand. And I want to see Central App grow to be really a marketplace uh, that makes uh, that matching easier for both companies and uh, workers, right? You want to have uh, things that make us be the, the, you know, like I said, the easy button, the, the way the w- way to make this uh, seamless for them because uh, I, our workforce, they are all 1099, contract, 1099 contractors. It is a gig economy job. And many of those people do go off and get uh, gigs on their own, which is perfectly, perfectly fine. Uh, but also, uh, some of those people don't don't want to hustle from gig to gig, and they wanted uh, someone to sort of uh, set the opportunity on a platter and let, let, let them take on the technical part of the of the challenge and not have to do the business stuff, the NDAs, the, the business agreements. And so, uh, you know, I want to set up things where Central App can can give them resources to help get their their taxes done as a 1099 contractor, or and allow companies to to you know have matching to the people that exactly match the skills they're looking for. So, as far as our long term growth, we. we we're going to have that grow into a, a marketplace and platform that allows that's very deep that allows people to uh, get matched with opportunities that that fit well for them. So, how can listeners uh, learn more about the work of a Central App? Let's say there's a company that um, might be outsourcing and l- uh, listening, but also to that person si- sitting in Appalachia that says, "Hey." This is exactly the kind of uh, work opportunity that I would love to explore. How can they find out more? Yeah, so place to start is our uh, website. And so you can look at, uh, it's centralappapp.us. And there's buttons there to, uh, you know, looking to work or looking to hire, basically. Find work or find talent is at the top of the the screen. And depending if you are a company or an individual, you, you can click those things and it'll sort of walk you through uh, things that will help you identify, uh, and us identify you and match you with people. So that's, that's the place to start is, uh, centralapp.us, I think is first place to start. Also happy to talk to people, uh, directly. I'm sure probably in the show notes or something, put my, my email. Um, and again, that's, uh, todd.cope at centralapp.us and, and be happy to, to respond to people, uh, individually as well. Um, so I, th- I think that's a good place to get get started. And as far as getting up to speed on the trip, uh, again, it's hashtag Operation Rural Tech, and there's a, a long series of uh, posts there about some some actually some misadventures uh, with the Tesla that 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 had some, some some Tesla scares, and then some uh, 
by the way, I, I love Tesla, but it, there wasn't <laughs> some scary events there. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, videos with um, uh, different CEOs around the country and their their views, both as existing clients to Central App for reference, but also people who are considering it. But you know, think about where their heads at and what what, what things they're thinking about. So, so I would uh, between CentralApp.us and uh, hashtag Operation Rural Tech, I think there'll be some information. Uh, and of course, reaching out to me directly is also fine. And that hashtag, they can uh, follow that on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, right? That is correct. And even LinkedIn as well. Okay, great. Great. We encourage our listeners to do that and to, to learn about your adventures and your misadventures on that trip. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you having me and uh, best of luck. I think we're well aligned on on the, the broadband mission. And I think that we can... Uh, uh, continue to, as you say, get the 20 million uh, people remaining uh, on broadband, and I think the whole country will be better for it. Absolutely. Thanks again, and thank you for listening to Rural Broadband Today, where we take a look at the people and the issues shaping the rural broadband story across America. I'm your host, Stephen Smith, and this program is produced by WordSouth, a content marketing company. Please share this episode with your network and help us tell the rural broadband story. Thanks for listening. Rural Broadband Today is a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company.